Welcome to Kingdom Leadership. In Matthew 20 and 25, Jesus called his disciples together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentile lord over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not that way among you, but whosoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. God has called us to lead in a way that serves others and advances the kingdom of God. Please join our hosts as they discuss scriptures, principles, and strategies for leading in a way that brings glory to God and blesses you and those you serve. You may also visit us online at IamAKingdomLeader.com to submit your questions or access past episodes. Let's go. Well, hello and welcome Kingdom Leaders. Thank you for joining us today on Kingdom Leadership, where our goal is to train and prepare you so that you can lead in a way that advances God's kingdom. We're going to spend some time today covering leadership principles through scripture and the practical application of how we should lead so that we can fulfill all that God has called us to do as a leader in his kingdom. Our desire is that anytime a leadership opportunity presents itself, that we are all operating as kingdom leaders in a way that gives God glory and advances his kingdom. So thank you again for joining. We are delighted to have you as part of our part of today's program. I am Karen Abram and with me today are Dr. Arlene Green and Elder Charles Brazil. Well, hello you two. How are you doing today? Hey. Doing well. Hey Karen. <laughs> I'm glad you can join me today. Um, and I think today's topic is just so appropriate for the times that we're in right now. It's called Leading Through Leading Through Crisis. And our last podcast was recorded right at the start of when the current COVID-19 pandemic began hitting the United States. And the topic that we talked about at that time was stress, worry, and anxiety. Hopefully our listeners had an opportunity to tune in to that episode as it definitely provided some insight as to how to manage through stress, worry, and anxiety, which some of us may be feeling right now. And today we are all practicing social distancing due to COVID-19 and actually having this discussion at our own homes. So today's topic (laughs) will hopefully continue to provide you with some reassurance that we are going to get through this. Our focus for this topic is James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And when I started researching and studying this topic, you know, I really thought about crisis and really just about everyone has faced a crisis in their life. In fact, thinking about what's going on right now across the world, you may be going through a crisis right now, or you've previously gone through one, or one may be just lying right ahead of you. A crisis can be a pandemic as we're experiencing right now, divorce, finances, a wayward child, cancer, losing a job, a broken relationship, or even the loss of a loved one. The one factor, however, that we can all say stays the same in this life is that we all go through crisis. So I wanna start off by actually defining the word crisis, and I wanna share two definitions for this word. There were many that were in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, but the one I chose for today's topic is an unstable or crucial time or state of affairs in which a decisive change is impending. The other one is from John Maxwell's podcast titled Mentoring During a Crisis, 
where he defines it as an inflection point, an event that changes the way we think and act. So from both of these definitions, the common word that I want to draw your attention to is change. Crisis triggers change. So Arlene and Charles, let's talk for a moment about crisis. Um, and my question to the two of you, my first question is, can you describe a time you or someone you know went through a crisis and how it changed or impacted your or his or her life? You know, let's start, let's start with you, Charles. What do you think? <laughs> Um, absolutely. Yes, I've had, had a crisis in, in my life. And the, cr the crisis that I thought about uh, with this was back in 1985. And that's when I was 19 years old. And unexpectedly, my mother died. And when she died, I had a 15-year-old sister and a 12-day-old sister. And living with my mom as a single parent, I was, I was devastated uh, by that. And in just thinking about this whole topic, it, it really made me reflect back on what that crisis meant in my life and how I dealt with that crisis. And I just kind of went, you know, I, I went off the reservation. I was not, uh, not prepared for that crisis. And um, I think just this kind of reflection here really helped me save thousands of dollars of being on the couch just to think about this and talk about this, you know, with, with you and Dr. Green, because it was devastating for me and I didn't really know how to respond to it. So yes, I've had that crisis in my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what about yourself, Arlene? Yeah, I was, um, one I thought about was the loss of a family member as well. Um, and then another one I thought about was a work crisis because it's interesting while we're all going through COVID-19, there's like many crises underneath that broad crisis, you know, so based on whatever scenario you find yourself in, you might be having a crisis with work, with unemployment, with health or loss of a family member. Um, and when your definition around crisis triggers change and it's an inflection point, um, one of the crises I experienced was a work crisis, um, which was I'd been working at a job for, it was my first real job, my first like for real professional job. I'd been working there, I think a couple years at the time, had loved, you know, the person that hired me had just, we'd had a great relationship, loved the work I was doing. There was kind of an upheaval at the organization so that, all the leaders I'd worked with left and they brought in some new people and the new people didn't like the old regime, which is what I was associated with. Um, and I also at the time thought I should stand up for what was right. <laughs> Maybe not in the right way necessarily. Uh, and it was a crisis for me because I, it was my first job and I ended up in a room with my manager on a performance track. He was like, Hey, you either need to get on board with what I'm doing or I don't need you on my team basically. Um, and I had always, everything I'd done before then, I felt like I'd had great performance. I had great relationship with my leaders. So it was a huge inflection point for me. I, I mean, I learned so much through that around submission to leadership. And mm. I mean, just, it was a lot I learned in that. Um, and at that moment, after I had that conversation, I learned I was pregnant. And I said, God must have done that on purpose because had that not been the case, I don't think I would have stayed through it. I would have left and lost the lesson probably too. 
But because of that, I had to stay through it. Um, and I just remember I cleared out everything in my office except for one photograph. And I remember telling Kelvin, my husband, I was like, it's a day by day basis. I was like, I only want what I can put in my purse. Basically, I was like, at the end of every day, I may not be back. So it, like, when you're working in a very difficult work situation, but you can't leave, you feel like you can't leave. Um, mm, mm. It was, it makes you relook at yourself um, and the choices you're making. So that was. That was one significant crisis for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work, work is tough because, um, well, I think I've shared with the two of you one of my crisis situations before, um, and it's around work. A little over eight years ago, I was laid off from my job after working there 24 years. Um, and to use your word, Charles, yes, it was devastating. You know, if you think about the investment that you, the time investment that you put in that company, and I was completely caught off guard. Um, and as I worked through it, I truly felt like I was going through those whole stages of grief, you know, that, mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. talk about. Um, initially, I was in denial, you know, like little shock and disbelief, like, no, I can't believe this is happening to me. No, right. You know, how dare they, you know, lay me off. And to top it off, people were reinforcing my emotions. You know, they were like, yeah, I can't believe they let you go. You're the last person I thought they would let go. But unfortunately, they did, you know, and. So now my anger started to sit in and I started to ask questions about why me, you know, and started to question God, what did I do wrong? You know, and I was actually out of work for two years. And while I was getting turned away at many doors, I started to feel deserted, abandoned, Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. bargain with God saying, please, God, if you only let me get this one job, I promise I'll do better, you know? <laughs> um, and of course, the first place we always run to when we have a problem, what is God? But um, right. well, long story short, I was feeling down on myself and our pastor, Donald Pelham, was delivering a sermon one Sunday and asked the congregation to yell out what they needed from God. And so now I'm one of those prideful that wouldn't just speak out or say something, but I yelled, I need a job. <laughs> and honestly, within two and a half months, I was working. And it wasn't based on me, you know, applying somewhere. It was actually one of my past managers calling me and asking me to come work for him, hmm. you know. And so going through that whole cycle, you know, which was my crisis at the time, made me really start to think about my priorities and where I had been focusing my attention. And it really opened my eyes to the fact of how much I was trying to control things instead of humbling myself, letting go, and letting God do his thing. You know, Isaiah 40, 31 says, Be, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. He has a plan for all of us. And it's our job to be patient, trust in him, be steadfast, and have faith. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And that, that will help to strengthen my faith along the way. You know, Karen, when you mentioned that word um, control, uh, something came to my mind as we think about, you know, COVID and what it's doing to us right now. And this whole crisis thing is that it's the unknown which creates a lack of control in our lives. And then that lack of control creates uncertainty. And when we have uncertainty, that's when that that fear and that worry and that anxiety sets in. And then that is where crisis is born. Mm-hmm. That's so because true. we can no longer control 
the things that are going on around us yeah. from be it from jobs, from our own health, um, the way that people have been hoarding, you know, uh, personal goods at stores and things like that. And the media just continues to to talk more and more about things are being out of control. All of the people that are being sick and, and dying, but they're not talking about those people that are recovering. So the media wants to sensationalize everything. And I think to your point, we have to stay grounded and rooted in what God's word says, his truth, and not focus on the circumstance. But that's difficult to do. It is. It is. You know, you, you mentioned uncertainty. And in one of the um, research areas that I was doing and listening to John Maxwell, he actually gave a little scenario where he talked about people are better hearing bad news than they are, they're better dealing with bad news than they are with uncertainty. Because right. when you get bad news, it's done. Boom, there it is. Okay, now I need to go and do something about it. But when you're with the uncertainty, there's still a lot of gray in that, you know, and mm-hmm. you just don't know what's going on. So you just continue to sit there and have anxiety or worry about it, you know, but with bad news, you already know. You know what the finality is. So, you know, you can do something about it. Yep, yep, that's it, that's it. Yeah, so talking about, so speaking of faith, you know, and, and having faith, I kind of shared my, you know, situation about having faith in God. How did you all maintain your faith during the time that you went through your crisis? You know, what kind of got you through it? Hmm. One thing I was thinking about, and this relates a little bit, I think this was more prevalent for me in the loss of a family member, even in the work crisis, but it relates a little bit to the control factor, which is, um, it'd been, I guess it's been years ago because he's passed now, but I remember Pastor Chuck Smith, who I always loved. He started some of the Calvary Church, started Calvary Churches, I think. But he used to always say, don't trade what you do know for what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And that just always stuck with me because in time of, to your point about uncertainty and loss of control, there is so much you don't know. You know, and even when you lose a family member or you're out of work or like I was on performance track or something, there's so much you don't know. You don't know how it's going to end. You don't know what people are going to think about a certain situation. You don't know, you know, kind of what led sometimes to the loss of a family member, what you could have done differently. And if you allow yourself to kind of meditate on what you don't know, that sense of fear and control, lack of control and uncertainty can become so overwhelming. So what I tried to do is at that time is, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stop thinking about all the things I don't know, which are vast, right? That's a lot of things I don't know. God said, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Like Mm -hmm. we're not going to understand everything. So you kind of have to almost lose the expectation of understanding everything and instead focus on what I do know, you know, and at that time it was like, I know God is good. I know my family members in heaven. I know he's going to provide for me. I don't know how, I don't know what, but I know he's going to provide for me. Even now in this, you know, in the state we're in now with COVID, like I have a small business and business is down. I mean, do I know what's going to happen? No, but do I know he's going to provide? Absolutely. I know that. So you have to kind of go back to what you know. And as Pastor Chuck said, don't trade, don't be willing to focus so much on what you don't know that you forget what you do. Mm -hmm. And when I remind myself of what I do know, then that's the encouraging, that's the uplift, that's the confidence you can have um, through something. Yeah. Well, 
I didn't do well when, when I got to my situation. Um, I turned away from God. I was angry with God. Uh, I was angry with, with life. And I was like, God, how could you take my mother? I mean, and, and I was so angry. And then I realized in just thinking about this question for, for our discussion, how selfish I was around what was going on in my world because I didn't think about my 15 year old sister. I didn't think about my 12 day old sister. I didn't even think about my grandparents, my mom's parents, what they were feeling. And being a parent today, I can't even imagine losing a child. Mm -hmm. So I was so selfish and so worldly centered looking for something to mask the pain and, and to, to take away this feeling. And it was probably two years after that, um, I would just was going to church. And that is the first time that I had ever felt the presence of God. And I could not stop crying. And it was as if God told me, I'm here, I'm here. And that was really the first time that I let go of all of that anger that I had toward God and just open myself up. You know, at that moment, you know, when you hear people talk about God softened their heart mm -hmm. at that moment, he really did. He softened my heart. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a good example too, Charles, of not trying to go around something, you know, but going through it, like it's going to be painful. Mm -hmm. I might be angry like acknowledging the reality of how you feel about something um, as opposed to trying to, you know, sometimes we try to pretend we don't feel that way or so, or even like not talk about it, just avoid it, do other things yeah. so you can avoid it altogether, you know, or almost that positive talk like, oh, you know, I'm okay when reality I'm not. So I think that's a good example of, which I really struggle with a long time, um, trying to go around stuff thinking, yeah you're really stuck. You really doing something when it's actually all still there. That's, I think that's a good example of just being open to, you know, let God help you through it for real. Like, yeah. And, and I was way off the reservation. I mean, I, I was angry, angry at God, angry. I just couldn't, you know, how people talk about how good God is. I was like, how could a good God take my mother? That that's my livelihood. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. I, I was angry. But now I understand that wasn't God that did that. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm, I have truly grown through that. And, and obviously my mother's always in our heart and uh, we've had, you know, other crises in our life, but we don't blame God for it. And it makes me think of, of John 16, uh, where Jesus says, there will be trouble. There will be tribulations that you have, but I have overcome the world. So you have that peace through me. And that, that's when I found that scripture and I had to continue to read that scripture sometimes minute by minute, but that was what I held on to, to move me through life. Yeah. You know, I would say similarly for my situation, you know, um, I don't know that I was as angry as you were, but I was definitely, I definitely had some doubts, you know, and I guess it was something in pastor's word that day that he said, that, you know, helped me change my belief. And, you know, since then, my faith has definitely increased and my prayer life most, most definitely has increased because, you know, while I was previously should have been praying without ceasing, as they say, 
you know, or be in constant regular daily communication with God, I wasn't there, you know, but now as I've gone through that crisis, I know what God can do. And I know that Mm -hmm. God already got it, whatever it is. And, you know, sometimes I may initially react to something and say, oh Lord, you know, just out of, you know, common, just concern about something that I've heard Mm -hmm. that's going on, but he already knows my need. And because we've already been having that daily conversation with each other about, you know, what's going on in my life, I already know that he's going to take care of it. You know, so I see that my prayer life has changed. And, you know, the scriptures really tell us that prayer is one of the most powerful resources that we have. Um, As you read the Bible and you hear the pleas to God, whether it was from Moses or whether it was from David or even Jesus himself, you know, it basically tells us that, you know, prayer is powerful and God is always going to be there, you know, when we need him. So um, another verse, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Mm-hmm. And Psalm 37, 4 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So when you're facing a crisis, it can hit you so deep that you don't believe you can ever see your way out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can hit you so hard emotionally, physically, and even sometimes spiritually that it literally pains you such that when you pray to God, you just open your soul up to him. And to me, that's really praying to him from your heart when you do that, when you open up your soul to him. Um, the goal, of course, is not necessarily to get what we want from him, but to create within us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us so that we can look beyond the current situation and the crisis that we may be in um, at that moment. So I think, you know, for me, prayer is really what helps me now nowadays really get through any kind of crisis and knowing that God is going to be there for me no matter what. I agree. I agree. Hey, I'd like to give you the, the amplified version of, of John 16, um, And it's, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have perfect peace in the world. You will have tribulation and distress and suffering, but be courageous And it says, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. My victory abiding. Mm -hmm. And and I I love to study God's word from the Amplified because it is so, so practical and so plain for me to be able to just pick it up and run with it. Mm -hmm. And you know what I hear from what you just shared, that scripture and, um, even the, the crisis that you shared and Karen, you too, is that, and I know this was true for me that after it, um, my relationship with Christ, it was an inflection point. Like you mm-hmm. said earlier about a crisis, it, it's something that really changes you and is an inflection point. Like I can look at before that situation and after that situation and really notice you know, my own growth, my own spiritual maturity, my own different perspective, you know, just, not that it was good to go through it and not that it felt good in it, but the way it changed me is, you know, just significant. That was probably the the biggest growth period for me from a career perspective was kind of during that time. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, there's a lot of value in it, even though it's so painful at the time. Yeah. Going through it definitely provides a lot of value. Mm -hmm. There's always a learning behind it somewhere. Yeah. So the other night, as I was preparing for this podcast, my husband Rick and I got into this little debate 
about this next question. So I'm really interested in hearing what you all have to say about it. So since our topic is focused on leading through crisis, right, we were like, I don't know, you know, but um, our topic is focused on leading through crisis. My question to you is, are leaders held to a higher standard for managing crisis? Why or why not? What are your thoughts there? You want me to go first, Dr. Green? Sure, go first. All right. Um, my response is yes. I believe leaders are held to a different standard, a higher standard, be that fairly or unfairly. Um, I think we expect leaders to bring us out of a crisis. Um, but not all leaders have that ability to lead through a crisis. And, and I think I've shared with you ladies that my leadership mentor is, is my Aunt Louise, uh, Major General Mary Saunders, uh, U.S. Air Force retired. She is my go-to about leadership and about leadership traits and qualities and thinking of a leader. And so, yes, to answer that question. And I think in a crisis, good leaders, they control the response. They frame what's going on. To your point, Karen, okay, it's bad. Here's what we've got to do to move forward. Uh, they see crises as moments of opportunity. I think great leaders have the ability to be decisive in moments of crises. Um, great leaders look at how do they balance tension of what's real and what's possible, right? And then I think that great leaders harness the crises of an opportunity and they're looking for growth, development, and greater future success. So how do we not lose this moment that we're in? What can we learn from this moment? I mean, as we think about businesses, businesses are having to pivot. They're having to do things differently. We from a church environment, we're having to do different. We're having to grow and expand how we think. So um, I believe that's a testament to our leader, you know, Pastor Donald Pelham. So yes, I believe leaders are held to a higher standard in a crisis. Arlene, what are your thoughts? I'll disagree, just to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be Carl. fun. <laughs> no, I was thinking, I don't, I don't know if I think about it as a different standard, but I do think, similar to what um, Elder Charles said, I do think they have different responsibilities in a crisis. And I was thinking about, um, you know, one of the leadership principles they talk about is as a leader, you should be both on the dance floor and on the balcony, you know, on the dance floor is like, I'm responding to customer requests, you know, I'm um, meeting urgent needs, I'm getting things done, like, it's day to day action. And so we're, we're moving things through and executing. And then as a leader, though, your whole team might be on the, on the dance floor as a leader, you have to go to the balcony and try to get perspective on what's going mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. so that you can, you know, look back historically and say, okay, what led us here? Here we are. Look forward, say, okay, what's coming in the future. And then I think the point about framing, like framing it for the people you lead, you know, framing it, providing perspective for the people you lead, providing encouragement for the people you lead. I think that's kind of it. Hopefully we all do it, but I think it's uniquely a leader's responsibility. Like no one, that's what you are supposed to do. I think, and especially in a crisis, you're supposed to do it anytime, but especially in a crisis. And I was even looking back at just biblical leaders when they were in crisis. Like I was thinking about um, 
you know, even Jesus before with the disciples, before he was going to the crucifixion, you know, he met with them. He told them, don't let your heart be troubled. Um, in my father's house, there are many mansions. Like he was laying out for them. Okay, we're about to go through this and you're about to go through this, but let me give you perspective. Let me give you encouragement for the future. So I think, um, I don't know if I think of it as a standard, but I definitely think different responsibilities. And as a leader, you have to step into whatever the gap is. If the gap is perspective, you have to provide that. If the gap is motivation, you have to provide that. And you only can see what the gaps are by getting on the balcony and kind of looking over what's going on, including yourself, mm-hmm. you know, saying, what, what do I need to be doing differently to kind of help this mm-hmm. team mm-hmm. get from where we are to where we need to be? So I don't know if I think of it as a standard, although it's very similar. I just wanted to be contentious by saying I was different. I do think, I think you agree with me. I do really, but uh, I do think of it as you have different responsibilities as a leader and you can't expect anyone else to provide that, but you, and that's even for your family. You know, if you have children, um, helping them have some encouragement for the future, preparing them for what's to come. I mean, that's what we do all the time as, as parents. So, you know, I think your, your balcony analogy makes me think of that, that great philosopher and leader, uh, Winnie the Pooh, who had a few good words on that. And, and, and he says, promise me, you'll always remember. You're braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. Mm-hmm. And, and as a leader on that balcony, that's what we're trying to get our people to understand that here's a crisis. We have the intellectual capacity to assess it and to move through it and you're better than this. Don't let this define you. Yeah. That's what I see from that balcony perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Karen, what was you and Rick's, uh, what was yeah. the conversation? Yes, who won the argument? Or, or First of the, all, I never thought the of debate. Winnie the Pooh was a philosopher, but don't think that. That'll work. So, so I want to I wanna talk a little bit about something first. Again, I, I you know, John Maxwell, he's one of my big, you know, I'm a big follower of his when it comes to his podcast and such. And so, he had another podcast I listened to earlier this week called Leadership When It Matters Most. And it talked about when a crisis occurs, true leaders reveal themselves. Mm-hmm. Crisis separates pretenders mm-hmm. from players. And so I thought that was a powerful statement because when you think about it, a leader is supposed to be someone who has the vision. You all kind of had said that already, can see how things can be improved or what needs to get done. And they rally the people up to make sure that we're all moving towards the same goal or the same vision in the same direction. And, and what better time for them to step up than when we're going through a crisis, right? That's when people are looking for their leader to be the example, to give them security, give them guidance, give them understanding, care for them, give them consistency. Um, it's our opportunity as a leader and, and our role to be operated in the fullest extent to what we're supposed to do. The question to ask yourself as a leader, for those of you that are listening to this podcast, is are your actions in alignment with your words when you have people mm-hmm. that are your followers? As, as said by one of my favorite R&B artists, uh, Barry White, are you practicing what you preach? <laughs> so, Show you right. <laughs> but the debate that Rick and I got into really centered around what people expect from their leaders. So I do believe that people in general hold their leaders to a higher standard in managing crisis. However, in God's eyes, 
we are all held to the same standard. Right. I mean, that no matter what role we play, right? You think of 2 Corinthians 5.10 when it says, for we must all appear. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So the debate that we got into was kind of more, here's the spiritual side of it. You know, what does God expect from us? You know, and I was, you know, being in management, I was on the, a leader is held to higher standards, just like you all were just saying, but he held this thing up from the spiritual aspect and he's not in a leadership position. We was like, no, 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 we're all equal. We, we all are held to the same standard. You all shouldn't have to take on more or bear hard, you know, bear more burden than anybody else. When a crisis comes about, we all should equally be held to the same standard because God is going to judge us in the end. Yeah. So. That's I mean, and there are about. people that even if they're not in a leadership role, let's say in terms of title, have a lot of influence. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think about right. the, the scripture, if you're, you're given much, much is expected. Um, Cause you have to give out of what's been given to you. And there are a lot of people who aren't maybe in a leadership role, but they have a lot of influence with a group. Influence is still a gift and it's something you've been given and you have to use that wisely. And so if you have the ability to influence a group of people positively during a crisis, then I, you know, I think we're all responsible for doing that. If whatever opportunity God gives you, we're responsible for, you know, um, giving it our best. So I can see what he's saying too. Yeah. And, you know, during you this, know, oh, go ahead, Charles. No, I was going to say, I, you know, I spoke to, to one of my vendors this week and we were just kind of doing a health and wellness check-in and, and talking and she made a statement <clears throat> she said she was on another call and she heard this person this this pastor her pastor asked um although we may not be directly impacted no we may not be directly exposed to COVID-19 the real question is what has COVID-19 exposed in us mm. and I thought about that and I was like that's wow deep. that's good you can see things from one extreme to the other, right? <laughs> right, right. I was like, wow, you know, is it, is it raising our faith? Is it, is it fear, worry, and anxiety that's popping up? Where are we on, on that spectrum? I mean, that, I have been just noodling on that statement ever since I heard her make that. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. You, I mean, you've seen so many different things, like I said, from one spectrum to the other, from Hoarding, like you said, you know, earlier to really different racks, random acts of kindness, you know, mm -hmm. where people have been, you know, neighbors have been child sitting for the, for free, you know, while the essential workers have to go out to work, hotels have been right. lodging for free. You've got family and friends reaching out to each other more often and frequent. And really this should be to some extent what's happening in normal times, right? That everybody's mm -hmm. just being kind to one another, but we find out that crisis reintroduces a lot of humility in people, you know, an awareness that life is bigger than us and we can't make it on our own. We can't make it without God and we can't make it without each other. And I like the way that, again, Maxwell had summed it up by saying humility does not mean that we think less of ourselves, but we think of ourselves less. Less. Right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. 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 You know, this, this whole crisis thing for me, when I'm in a mask and I'm, you know, having to go to the grocery store or something and you walk in near people and then you put your head down and you turn away from them. I feel so unchristian like mm -hmm. when I'm doing that. And when standing in line, I turned around and, and, and I made that comment to this lady 
and her eyes just lit up and she's like, I know what you mean. It just feels so unnatural not to say hello to people and acknowledge people. And, you know, when you have a mask on and you're trying to avoid, you know, contact, it is just so unchristian like. So I'm going to move on to our next question to provide our listeners with some scriptural resources that may help them. Um, Charles, do you have a key scriptural reference or advice that you would share with someone that may be going through a crisis? Well, in addition to John 16, um, I like 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result result in a calm, well-balanced and self-control, well-balanced mind and self-control. And for me, that scripture really brings everything into to balance. Things are going crazy around me, but I'm going to put my trust and my faith in God's word. So now I need to go search his word to find out what does it say about whatever I'm dealing with. So that's the one that I really like to hang on to. Arlene, what about you? Yeah, it's a different, there are two different scriptures I pulled, but they're very similar um, in terms of, I think, what I do with them. One was um, James 1, 5, which is about wisdom. So if any of you lacks okay. wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously, generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Um, and the second one was Proverbs fifteen twenty two, <clears throat> excuse me, which is without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. And the reason those are so important to me, especially during crisis is, as you were saying earlier, crisis brings uncertainty and you don't know what to do. Like who knows what to do during COVID-19? Like I can't read something that says, you know, this is what's happening in your business. Now there's a global pandemic for the last six weeks. What should you do? I, you can't go find anybody or, you know, you can't read something on that. Um, so, but thank God we have God and we have the Holy spirit. So we can go ask God, what should I be doing now? Um, what shouldn't I be doing now? Uh, you can talk with other people who can help pressure test some of your thoughts, right? Other wise people and say, Hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think about it? I'm thinking about that. And they can help guide you. Um, we have a, we have a certainty, we can have a certainty in what to do next that people that aren't believers just don't have, you know, so I think about people that haven't given their life to Christ and just how uncertain this time might feel. Whereas even when I feel uncertain, I can go pray about it. Um, and sometimes, I mean, I'll write down questions in my journal and I swear before I finished writing the question, it's like God told me something in my mind, like, yeah, that, yep. (laughs) <laughs> that makes sense. Um, sometimes it takes longer, you know, I'm gonna have to walk or fast or do other things to um, seek the answer. But I think the biggest thing is that strat, especially in times of crisis, your strategies probably don't work. Whatever you were using before, it, it may or may not work now. So strategies don't work, but God always works. And so we really have a resource in him to be able to guide us, to direct us, um, you know, even in the Bible, sometimes God says, cry out. Sometimes he says, move. Sometimes he says, wait. So what do you do in a crisis? You don't know, but we have someone who does know. Um, and that's been, I think, even if I start to feel uncertain or nervous or fearful, 
I can spend time with God and he'll kind of direct me in what to do or even sometimes what not to do. Like just, just stop, you know? Um, but we have, we have that level of certainty that really can bring a lot of peace. So do you think that, that we as leaders, is that where God's light becomes a lamp into our feet? Well, we can't see five steps ahead and kind of in this COVID, we just see that one step and we're walking that one step and we're trusting, walking that one step by faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One step at a time. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'd said that I, one time I was on this, I was thinking about this, like it was a short term crisis, but I was on a mountain, um, on a mountain hike one time with a group I didn't know uh, very well. Cause I just moved into a new role and, um, I thought the hike was like a nature walk. That's what I was expecting, not a hike up a Arizona mountain. Or <laughs> so anyway, we get to the top and I start to feel altitude sickness. Um, I start to lose my breath. I start getting nervous. I start sweating. I literally felt like I couldn't breathe. And uh, a, another gentleman, Vince, was there. He was older and he just told me, you know what? He could tell I was starting to freak out. Um, and he said, you're going to get down. Follow me. Just go one step at a time. And I literally did just that. I was like, I'm not going to look at anything else. I'm just going to follow him one step at a time. He led me all the way to the bottom of that mountain. And I feel like that's how God has led me out of crises before. It's like, no, you don't know how you're going to get down. You probably can't even see down, but one step at a time. All right. Well, I I have a couple of verses and then we'll kind of close it out a bit. Um, My first one is real simple. Ecclesiastes 3.1. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. So it's all in the plan as far as making you stronger and renewing your strength. Going through circumstances or situations are learning moments. As you said earlier, Arlene, it's a moment for us to learn. And also it opens up new doors for new beginnings. Um, Also, I want to reference Matthew 6. You know, the thing is to try not to worry. It's not really as bad as you think. And starting at verse 25 in there, Jesus really explains that as believers, we don't need to worry. You know, of immense comfort for all of us are the reminders that if the father feeds birds, how much more will he feed his kids? And aren't we more valuable than the birds? <laughs> I would think mm-hmm. so, you know, and in verse 22, he says, our father knows what we need. Jesus speaks comfort to our hearts in verse 34 when he looks at us and encourages us to not worry about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Pastor actually did his Bible study on that last night, right? You know, don't worry about tomorrow. Um, Tomorrow will have its own problems. (laughs) Ain't that the truth? Right, Uh, right. It implies in most cases that the issues you believe are waiting for you and tomorrow won't even be a point of memory when you get there. Tomorrow will give you a whole new set of (laughs) A whole new set of issues. (laughs) (laughs) That you have to worry about. So don't even worry Mm -hmm. about tomorrow. So... um, before I close out, do either of you have any other final comments or, or remarks that you'd like to make to the listeners this evening? You know, one thing talking about that, that worry and tomorrow, I was reading something from Pastor Rick Warren, and he was talking about meditating on God's word. And he, he mentioned about the way if we meditated on God's word, the same way that we meditate on worry, which creates anxiety and, and stress, then we would have no stress in our life. And I kind of stepped back and I thought about that and I was like, you know what? That is absolutely right. Because of all of that uncertainty, we'll 
thinking, what is this going to be? Could it be this? Could it be that? Am I going to lose this? Am I going to lose that? If we just fix ourselves on God's word and meditate on that promise over and over and over, we'll look up and we have walked a mile from where we started. Mm -hmm. That's good. Arlene, you have any closing remarks? I guess my, my closing thought, um, especially on leading in a crisis is, um, it would be just two things, one which I said, which is talk to other wise people, you know, that I always say leadership isn't meant to be done alone. Uh, and I think that's especially so during this crisis. Um, so gather wise counsel, listen to podcasts from people you, you value, go to Bible study, read, I mean, gather wise counsel so that you can make the right decisions for if you're leading a group or a team or a business or your family you can make the right decisions for those groups um, of people. So I, I'd say the, the biggest thing is, you know, just surround yourself with wise counsel. Um, don't feel like you're out there on your own because you're not. Um, and let other people help you in figuring out what's next, you know, and managing the uncertainty that comes out of, out of something as uncertain as we could probably ever imagine, um, which is this global pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my last comment is just stay calm. You know, whether the crisis is completely out of our hands or some portion is marginally under our control, we need to remember that ultimately we must trust God to show up. Typically we're limited in the amount of force we can exert anyway to overcome any challenges in life. But remember that God has all power. That being the case, we need to ask the Lord to help us remain calm when faced with a crisis by overreacting, often out of sense of panic, like going to the store and buying up all the toilet paper on the shelves, is not going to make anything any better. We actually make it more frustrating, right? Like causing now an overall shortage of essential products across the nation. It just doesn't make any sense. So just a short moment of pause and prayer can go a long way in providing helpful clarity. Yeah. So I want to close out for our listeners by reflecting back on the definitions mentioned earlier. A crisis means a decisive change is pending, an event that changes the way we think and act. Is there a crisis going on for any of our listeners right now that is pending a change from you and how you are managing or leading through crisis? Well, that change could be the Holy Spirit asking you to let God in right now. The first step for being a kingdom leader is being adopted into the family of Christ. If you don't know Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior, we encourage you to invite him into your life right now. Christ is not going to push you into, you're not going to push his way, but the word says he stands at the door and knocks and is waiting for you to answer. Romans 10, 9 to 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So if you want to give your life to Christ, Pray this prayer of salvation with us today. I admit I am a sinner and need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ died in my place, paying the penalty for my sins. I am willing right now to turn from my sin and accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. I commit myself to you and ask you to send the Holy Spirit into my life to fill me and take control and to help me become the king of the kind of leader you want me to be. Thank you, Father, for loving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
So if you prayed that prayer with us, we want to welcome you to the kingdom of believers. So please write to us and let us know so that we can celebrate with you. We encourage you to find a great Bible teaching, a Christ-believing group of believers that will love you, teach you, and hold you accountable. And we can all learn and grow together in the love of God and the word of God. So remember, if you'd like to hear this episode again or have missed past episodes, you can always go to www.iamakingdomleader.com, all one word, or subscribe to our Facebook page, Kingdom Leadership, and check out our other podcasts and uplifting words of encouragement. We thank you again for joining Kingdom Leadership. Remember that we are all kingdom leaders. We look forward to having you with us next time so we can all continue to grow into the kingdom leaders that God has called us to be. We love you and we'll talk with you next time. Thank you for joining Kingdom Leadership and we pray you were blessed by today's discussion. You can find us next week at the same place, same time. You may also visit us online to access past episodes and submit questions for future shows by visiting IamAKingdomLeader.com. God is calling us to lead in a way that gives him glory, attracts others, and advances his kingdom. God bless you.